Amazing Grace Kona welcomes you to today's lesson from Pastor Izzy Manzo. Our prayer is that today's lesson will spiritually feed and uplift you. Now, here's Pastor Izzy. We're going to look at Philippians chapter 1. This book is power-packed with a really important idea. And that idea is that God is at work in every one of us. And Paul is going to bring that out, that he who began a good work in us will be faithful to complete it. We have to remember we're all works in progress. And if we're going to get along while we continue in our faith, we have to keep mindful that not only are we a work in progress, but so are our neighbors around us. We have to give a little room while God is working maybe on something in them. It might be different than what he's working on in us, but that doesn't mean he's not at work. He is at work in every one of us. If you look with me at verse 1 of Philippians 1, it says, Paul and Timothy, bond servants of Christ Jesus. Now, this is a letter what Paul and Timothy together will write. And Timothy will be the one that Paul will say, you know, this young man, there was no one as like-minded in the faith. He called him a son in the faith. Paul had the spiritual privilege to lead probably Timothy to Christ. I'll show you that in Acts later. But he said, there is no one that had that same heart for people as this young man, Timothy. So he writes this letter to the churches. And this is one of the epistles, Galatians, Ephesians, Philippians, Colossians, all four of these uh, epistles. These were letters what are, are termed in the theological circle as the prison epistles. This is when Paul's locked up in prison for his boldness for the gospel. You'll remember before he was called Paul, he was called Saul of Tarsus. And he was the one locking up people that belonged to the faith and throwing them into jail and getting them beaten and getting them stoned and beaten with rods. And now it's his turn. He's going to jail. And yet I want to show you his attitude. It's amazing to me. He's in jail and he's writing to all the believers in Christ Jesus who are in Philippi, including the overseers, the deacons, grace to you and peace from God, our Father, and from the Lord Jesus Christ. And I thank my God in all my remembrance of you, always offering prayer with joy in my every prayer for you all, in view of your participation of the gospel from the first day until now. For he says, for I am confident of this very thing, that he who began a good work in you will perfect it or complete it until the day of Christ Jesus. Now, Paul says, it is only right for me to feel this way about you all because I have you, he says, in my heart. Since both in my imprisonment and in my defense and confirmation of the gospel, you are all partakers of grace with me. For God is my witness, how I long for you all with affection of Christ, and this I pray, that your love may abound still more and more in the real knowledge and in all discernment, so that you may approve the things that are excellent in order to be sincere and blameless until the day of Christ, having been filled with the fruit of righteousness, which comes through Jesus Christ to the glory and the praise of God. Verse 12, he says, now I want you to know, brethren, that my circumstances have turned out for greater progress of the gospel, so that my imprisonment in the cause of Christ has become well known throughout the whole Praetorian Guard and to everyone else, and that most of the brethren trusting in the Lord because of my imprisonment 
have far more courage to speak the word of God without fear. This is interesting. Paul says here in verse 13 that the gospel has spread through the whole praetorian guard. Now, you guys know that if you study about the life of Paul, he was such a, well, he caused commotion in cities with the gospel. He would preach the gospel and they would, they even had riots. You read in the book of Acts that a whole riot broke out because they said, this man, he turns the whole world upside down with this teaching of Jesus being risen from the dead. The dishes really tripping us out, they were saying. And it's all because of this guy. Well, they locked him in jail and such a criminal that they put him in the inner prison and they fastened him with stocks to a guard. 24 hours a day, he had a guy shackled to him because he's so dangerous. Now, I chuckle because I can only picture this. I know the outcome. Paul says that because I've been in prison, the whole Praetorian Guard has come to faith. And I'm thinking, yeah, I bet. Because they're taking turns being shackled to him. And I can just see Paul. They think they're going to get off easy. Ah, I got an easy gig today. I just got to be shackled to this dude for my eight-hour shift. Go in and just have to keep watch of one guy. And he's a preacher. How hard is that going to be, right? Except can you just see Paul going, ah, I got you for eight hours, buddy. So have you heard about Jesus? Can you just picture it? Like every one of the guards is going, uh... They go in not believing they come out converted. And then they go, hey, we got a really bad guard. You got to talk to him. Hey, Johnny, why don't you go in and take a shift? They keep sending them all in there and they keep getting saved. So Paul says, what seems like a terrible thing that he got locked up in prison, he says, has turned out to be a great thing. The whole Praetorian guard is getting saved. And listen to this. Not only this, he says, verse 14. He said, but most of the brethren, trusting in the Lord because of his imprisonment, they have far more courage to speak the word of God without fear. When they saw the outcome of what was happening because Paul was in prison, the rest of the believers, they were like, oh, I could speak out for the Lord and not be afraid. Because, you know, sometimes we are afraid to speak for the Lord, aren't we? And we're afraid, what will people think or what will the boss do or, or will I lose my job if I speak out about my faith? There's a fear. But because he was bold in his imprisonment, it helped the other believers in Philippi to get courage. Sometimes we just need one crazy bold guy. I actually am kooky enough to pray this. Lord, if I have to, make me the Paul that will be bold. Make me bold like this guy. And you know what cracks me up is he actually writes in one of his epistles, please pray for me to have boldness to make known the mystery of the gospel. And I'm thinking, you're in jail for preaching the gospel. You hardly strike me as having a problem with boldness. But literally, when he was in jail, in one of his epistles, I'll show you that in a little bit, that he actually asked them to pray for him to have more boldness. I'm, Dude, you have boldness. You're locked up for the gospel. Yet the fruit of his boldness was that it helped others get over their fear. It helped impart boldness to others. Sometimes we have to have boldness about our faith. We have to be willing to stand up and say, look, I'll preach about the Lord. Sometimes people, they tell me, Pastor, I can't preach like you. I'm not a teacher. Listen, let me tell you something. The Bible calls us all to be witnesses of Christ. Witness in the original Greek means to be a showing of Christ. Like your life should show Christ 
in the mannerisms and the way that you behave. People should look at you and go, they obviously follow the Lord. What I find interesting is the non-believers will spot it. If you don't swear or you don't use the Lord's name in vain, they're like, well, they're holy. They don't curse. St. Francis of Assisi. He, he said, be a witness for Christ at all times. Use words only when necessary. And I was like, yep, that's what witness means. Be a showing of Christ at all times. The way you live in your mannerisms, show Jesus just by how you love people, how you are gracious with people, how you show mercy to people. You guys know the saying, right? Actions speak louder than words. They're watching your actions. So Paul's boldness is helping the church around Philippi to get more bold. It also had another effect that's very interesting. One that I got to grow in my spiritual maturity because he says this next. He says, some to be sure are also preaching Christ even from envy and from strife, but some also from goodwill. And the latter do it out of love, knowing that I am appointed for the defense of the gospel. But the former, they proclaim Christ out of selfish ambition rather than from pure motives, thinking to cause me distress in my imprisonment. He actually says that there were fellows, now there was ones that preached for good reasons, goodwill, and Paul commends them. But he says there's other fellows that were actually preaching out of envy and strife, thinking if they made some more preaching about Jesus, it would cause more trouble and strife for Paul because he's already locked up. And Paul, this is where I need to grow. Listen to his attitude. It comes out in verse 18. He says, what then? In every way, whether in pretense or in truth, Christ is proclaimed. And in this, I rejoice. If the guy was preaching because he wanted to cause trouble for Paul in jail, Paul didn't care. He's like, who cares? Christ is proclaimed. I rejoice that Christ is proclaimed. He knew they had the wrong motives. Are there any preachers that preach for impure motives? Like what Jesus said, there was those Pharisees that were all about the money. They only did their spiritual stuff for money. and They did their prayers like a big show. Remember the Pharisee Jesus talked about that stood on the corner and he said, Oh God, I thank thee that I'm not like that sinner over there. And there was a sinner, Jesus said, that came to the temple and he fell on his face before the Lord and he took the dust and he threw it over his head. It's an expression in the Middle East of saying, I'm humble below the dirt. I'm nothing. But God have mercy on me. It's a physical display of humility to go and put your face down on the ground and throw the dust of the earth over your head and say, God have mercy on me. I'm just but dust. The one guy prayed, I pay tithe on everything I have. I give even my dill and my cumin. Can you just picture this? I can just see them. They got a little pile of dill seeds. They're not really big seeds. They're like this. One for God. Nine for me. Two for God. Nine more for me. They counted their dill seeds and made a big deal out of, I gave God exactly one-tenth of my dill. You talk about cuckoo. Jesus said they made this big to-do of, I give of this, and, and that guy over there, he's like nothing. And, and Jesus said, which one went home justified in God's sight? The guy who was humble? Or the guy that was so proudly standing on the corner praying. Jesus said, I tell you, that man that was humble 
God justified. But that phony baloney preacher guy, he even calls him on it. Jesus said, when the Pharisees came to him, he said, you whitewashed sepulchers, you whitewashed tombs, he's calling them. You're pretty on the outside, but you're full of dead men's bones. Another place, he calls them a brood of vipers. That's a really nice compliment. Can you imagine being called a gathering of snakes? He says, you guys are poisonous. And they were the religious leaders. Paul, he had folks preaching for the wrong motives, some just to cause him trouble. And what was Paul's attitude? He says, I will rejoice. Yes, I will rejoice. No matter what their motive, I rejoice that Christ is proclaimed. Even the guys that proclaim for the wrong motives, God still uses the message to help the lost. And God drilled this home. You're going to laugh at me, but there was this movie with Steve Martin. He did this spoof. He was a holy roller preacher with buses and did these tent revivals. And he had a little earpiece in his ear. He had women that would go around the audience and guys, they would find out little plants. They would put people in the audience in a wheelchair, but they weren't really sick. And then he'd go, and the Lord heals you. And they'd pop up and everybody be chanting, give your money. And they pass the hat. He was a crook. He was a sham. He's making a mockery of the gospel, except that at the end of the movie, a kid really gets healed, and he knows it's not him. And it turns out to be a witness to him. He's making a killing off of these suckers, these stupid Christian people. They're so gullible. And he can go to the poorest of towns, and he can make this revival thing. And, and it was all a big show, And except that God didn't care. It was so ironic. At the end of the movie, he has to give glory to God because he's like, I didn't do that. He goes, that's the genuine article that God really did. When I watched that, I knew this passage of scripture and I thought, you know, we just think, oh, that bad guy is preaching for the wrong most. My upbringing and my thinking is we should get him out of the pulpit. Not thinking that God will still get the message out, even if the guy's motives are not right. God will take care of that guy. He'll judge that guy. Paul had the bigger, the better, bigger view point. Look, the gospel gets preached, even if the guy's preaching for the wrong motive. I rejoice the gospel gets preached. Because whatever the gospel, the good news goes out, as long as the gospel's preached, can the gospel, the good news of Jesus, can it change people? Can it help people? Even if the guy preaching is doing it for the wrong motive, you're doing it to cause trouble for some other ministry. I've had guys come and start up ministries here say, I'm going to do this so I get your ministry. I'm going to steal your flock. If you're going to start a ministry, start it to help reach people that they didn't have somewhere to go to. Don't go after the sheep that are already going to a flock. Go out and reach to the lost sheep, the wandering, the, the wayward ones, and bring them in. But there are fellows that they don't, preach with that mindset. They preach to go get another man's flock. Paul's attitude is, let's look big picture. Maybe they'll reach somebody I wouldn't reach. I'm only stuck in jail here, but I got the guard I'm working on. And next shift, I get the next guard. And Paul just went like, I can't get to all the rest, but I at least get the guys I got right here. And those guys are out preaching and cause me trouble. But does it matter? Because whether in pretense or truth, look at the end of verse 18. Christ is proclaimed, and in this I will rejoice. If Christ is proclaimed, we should just rejoice, even if they're doing it for the wrong motive. 
because Christ can change people's lives. And verse 19, he says, for I know that this will turn out for my deliverance through your prayers and the provision of the spirit of Jesus, according to my earnest expectation and hope that I will not be put to shame in anything, but that with all boldness, Christ will even now, as always, be exalted in my body, whether by life or by death. For me to live is Christ and to die is gain. Now, some of you already know that's one of the most quoted verses from Philippians 1. Paul just puts it out there. Why is he living? For me to live is Christ. He's living for the Lord. Can we say that? For me to live, I just live for the Lord. For me to die, he said, is gain. It's even better. The Bible says if we're absent from this body, we're present with the Lord, guys. The Bible tells us that when we leave this body, we don't die. Our spirit just moves from this earthly tent into a mansion what Jesus has prepared for us. That's an upgrade. Doesn't the Bible tell us in Corinthians we get an immortal body, incorruptible? The Bible tells us that inside of these fleshly little tents, as Paul calls them, they're just temporary, that house our spirit. You know what I like when I talk to the older generation? They tell me, you know, on the inside, I'm still just as young on the inside. Jan's grandmother, her grandmother, she was like in her 90s and she would whoop us in Scrabble. She would tell us, inside, I still feel like I did when I was 18. I want to go do all the things. I want to ride the roller coaster. She was like the type that would like to go skydiving and stuff. But she says, but my body doesn't want to do with what on the inside, my spirit. My spirit is wants to go do these things, but my body is failing. When you would talk to her about going to heaven and getting a new body, she would brighten up her face like, because she's been a Christian forever. I mean, this woman was one of those ones been in the faith for ever and ever. She knew, I'm going to go and get a new body from God. And then the body I'm going to have from him will match how I feel on the inside. And I'll be able to run. I'll be able to jump. Because she goes, I feel inside like I'm still 18, but my body is wearing out. And she goes, but God has a body, immortal body. And she knew the scripture. Now, this is a great thing for us to know, to comfort our hearts, isn't it? The scripture that teaches, that's the gospel. Now, what if someone preaches that and they're preaching that just to get money from people? They're preaching that message and just to work an angle for money. Paul would say, I don't care why they preach as long as Christ is proclaimed. Because he knows that that good news touches every person that hears it, even if the preacher is preaching for the wrong reason. Well, good thing he put that verse six in earlier because he said, for I am confident of this thing. What thing? That he who began a good work in you will be faithful to complete it until the day of Christ. So God is at work in me. This is one of the areas I still have to grow in, that I have to, okay, Lord, those bad guys that are preaching for the wrong motives, you're still going to use them. And God will. God will still pull off the genuine article. He will still heal people. He will still save people when Christ is proclaimed. And I got to grow and mature and know, okay, leave room for the, Guy's doing it for the wrong reason. But don't discount how powerful the gospel is. Even with the wrong motives behind the preaching, 
it doesn't take away the power of the gospel. Amazing Grace Kona thanks you for listening to today's lesson. You can listen to today's lesson or any of the radio lessons on iTunes titled Celebrate the Lord. And if your travels take you to Kailua Kona on the Big Island of Hawaii, come visit us. We meet Sunday mornings, 9 a.m. on the beach at the north end of the old Kona Airport. For more information on Amazing Grace Kona, go to our church website at AmazingGraceKona.com. Amazing Grace Kona is the original Calvary Chapel Kona. of Christ my King through eternal ages let his praises ring glory in the highest I will shout and sing standing on the promises of God standing 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 of God, my Savior, standing, standing. I'm standing on the promises of God, standing on the promises that cannot fail. When the howling storms are down and fear assail, by the living word of God I shall prevail, standing on the promises of God.